0: The following program is presented in its original form. It may contain some content that does not reflect the CubsFan.com's corporate views and may not be suitable for all listeners. Characters are fictitious and do not reflect the personal lives of the actors portraying them. Viewer discretion advised. member or someone from high school who googled my name, uh-oh, <laughs> this is the Justin Shapir show, no it is not, and joining me as always
1: is, uh, almost always, Matthew,
0: middle name Feuerstein. Matt, how are
1: you? Matthew almost always, Feuerstein. I'm, I'm going. You know, I'm doing, I'm doing, man. How about you?
0: You keep on keeping on?
1: Keep uh, Keeping on trucking.
0: So what do you want to talk about?
1: Um, well... You know, it's been a been a wild time in wrestling, so maybe that, Woo. maybe that, we can talk about that. Yeah, what,
0: what is wrestling?
1: Well, so we wrestle with many things in our lives. There's, <laughs> there's self-doubt, which I think affects all of us. Um, I think that's probably the number one thing. The number one problem that affects human, humanity right now is self-doubt, and then, and then there's a disease and hunger. That's, that's number two and three, respectively. Um. Shooting is a big problem in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably after disease and hunger. Anyway, though, I think the idea behind this particular episode of the uh, J.M. Shapire show is uh, um, that two years ago, you and I, we uh, did a legendary State of the Union address for professional wrestling, mainly WWE, because let's be honest. And uh, a lot has happened in those two years. And what is the state of WWE today as we record this? And uh, depending on when this goes up, I'll just say right now, it's, uh, it is, uh, February, uh March, excuse me, March 4th, 2014, that we're recording this. The night after, Hold up a newspaper and prove it. The night after the famed CM Punk news show, also known as the Daniel Bryan Yes Show. That is, that is the situation in our lives as we record this. And, uh... Justin, what do you think about the state of wrestling today?
0: What's funny is we had originally planned to do this after the Royal Rumble, just to follow up on me having been there and the craziness that happened. And then things were still up in the air, so we said, let's wait until after Elimination Chamber, and everything should be settled and locked into place, and we'll know for sure. And then we said, just to be extra certain, let's wait until after... Uh, the week after that with the Ron Chicago, and then we'll definitely know. And as it stands, we're still not entirely sure, but at the risk of being
1: preposterous
0: and ridiculous in the future, we'll soldier on forward. Yeah. I mean,
1: I think at this point, if, if the, what you mean by sure is like, what's going to happen at WrestleMania. I think that possibly even act af- like even after WrestleMania, there'll still be a lot of things up in the air as in like, what just happened at WrestleMania? Mm-hmm. What was, what was that all about? I, well, my um, my big thing that I've noticed in the past couple of months is that whether by accident or not, WWE has done a remarkable job of keeping up intrigue for like almost all of their shows Is in what the hell are they going to do and why are they doing this and this thing makes sense but they're not doing that but maybe some, they'll do something else that makes it make sense later but maybe not and every week there's another thing so
0: I... um. Uh, that was largely largely what I wanted to wait on, was we wanted some kind of clarity on the Daniel Bryan referendum, yes or no. We still don't know. We still will not know, really, possibly until Extreme Rules, possibly until later, so we're just going to have to bank on it. But I will say, where we stand when we record today, I will totally be a lot different than where I would have been uh, four or five weeks ago, which was not a nice time at all, and Things have sort of uh, righted through many Byzantine events occurring. Uh, I still wouldn't say without most confidence it'll end the way I would like it to, but uh, we'll see.
1: So where did? So let's start at the beginning of that journey, Justin. The four or five weeks ago, where were you at that moment?
0: The the sequel. Our the previous show we did was in January 2012,
1: right? January or February? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, it must have been February. Yeah. So. At that point, in February 2012, uh, CM Punk was the WWE champion in month four of, wait, three or four of 15. And Daniel Bryan was the heel world champion with his demure girlfriend, April Jeanette Lee. Uh, Dolph Ziggler had just wrestled for the world title at the Royal Rumble and would win Money in the Bank that summer. Zack Ryder had just lost the U.S. title that he won at the apex of his whole thing. Who are the other characters in this play? Antonio Cesario was in SCW and would debut after, I think, right after WrestleMania. Shortly
1: thereafter. Um, mm-hmm.
0: As a rugby player.
1: And the WWE was banking their big money season on the re- on the in-ring return of The Rock. Yes. Although, actually, he had returned two months earlier. In a match with shockingly little th- forethought put into it. Uh-huh. But really, his real return was WrestleMania uh, 28 against John Cena. And uh, yeah, that was the big thing. And uh, in the periphery, we had our two world champions who were our little indie heroes. And I would say that what CM Punk at that time, I think most people were kind of disappointed with where they took that character. And Daniel Bryan, people were very pleasantly surprised and excited by what they were doing with that character.
0: I would agree with that. Punk at the to, to me at the time, Punk, Bryan, and Ziggler were an exciting new generation of headliners who were not identical but similar. There were many twists and turns along the way for all three. And I think if we had done the show a year ago, I would be sitting pretty because I remember we ended our last debate. Uh, I dropped the mic on you Where to say that wrestling would be okay in the future. I said Dolph Ziggler was this homegrown, um, exclusive WWE product who learned everything there, became really good there, developed charisma, caught on, looked to have a promising future. And so uh, a year ago when Dolph was coming off, uh, pay-per-view wins over Randy Orton and John Cena – He went uh, from the beginning of the Royal Rumble all the way to the end. He was about to cash in money in the bank. And just as easily, it all went up into nothing. And uh, at the same time, magic is possible. (laughs) And Daniel Bryan is really beyond any of my wildest dreams. So where I stand is the WWE, like the meritocratic utopia WWE that I envisioned as Hunter took more power has not come to fruition at all, and the same frustrations are there. But I think it is a distinct era, and the crowd has changed, and the town has changed, and the whole dynamic of the company has changed. So you may go through those same frustrations, but it is a a unique time. It's kind of like a wish-fulfillment era where anything is possible, uh, performers can do it, and the fans can do it, and then sometimes the company is there to, to facilitate it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what makes it kind of all unpredictable is the fact that this isn't like WWE. It's not like some you know big institution that will like perpetuate itself and will just always fall back into bad habits. It's literally the whims of a single man. Because at the end of the day, Vince McMahon, and I'm going to try not to say the end of the day too much, he can do, he can do what he wants. And we'll make it happy be your end
0: of days. I should not have cut you off to sing the core theme song. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: but I mean, uh, Vincent van is really like it one day he can wake up with a whim, and they will do it. and there's no nothing to stop him because he's in charge. And a lot of it's still, you know no matter how many how much power Triple H or Stephanie has, Vincent van gets to decide at the end, and they will go with it. And uh, it really depends on his mood. I mean, I think we've seen over the years, How fickle he can be, and how his mood shifts from "I only want to hire big guys" to "Let's completely raid the uh, Ring of Honor roster from 2007" to um, you know to forget those guys we have them, but they'll probably be fired soon. To oh no, they're going to make up our whole TV show. To well, yes, but we're not actually going to put them in main events. To okay, well actually, let's just build a whole show around them.
0: And it's like <laughs> picturing this as a golem yeah, I mean,
1: it kind of is i think and i mean and just just someone from my from point of view as or as a wrestling fan it's like you know i'm that kind of fan i'm the unapologetic guy who's like i'm watching to follow my favorites from who i you know watched when they were on in the indies and seeing them make good in uh you know on tv and in front of lots of people and you know that's you know that's that's where i get my emotional investment in wrestling and maybe that's marky or sad but that's that's how it is and um and and i you know you're right that it, it, is, it is like kind of an anything is possible situation because Vince van can wake up one day and be on you know to my mind the right side of the bed but then there's also these times where he's extremely obstinate which and i'm sure we'll get into it this this whole thing with the wrestlemania main event and what it should be and what it's going to be and all that but um Just to go back to um, what we were talking about before, because I know you did mention Dolph Ziggler in the last debate. And one of my big points back then was WWE is not as good as it was at booking anymore because they choose not to actually protect and promote their wrestlers. And they do things that they never would have done in any era prior to the 2000s where they take guys who are really popular – and who they might even actually want to push, and they make them look bad on purpose for some bizarre, I don't know, like circular logic that they have. And I don't think – and you know, and then also sometimes they just decide to bury people who are really popular. Um, and I think Dolph Ziggler is probably the most frustrating example for that, especially if um, the reason that he hasn't been pushed is for the reason that Dave Meltzer said, which is at one time he said that he could beat Randy Orton in a fight. And, and um, you know, Daniel Bryan, obviously, and I can't imagine, like, no matter how small the guy was, I mean, first of all, someone like Daniel Bryan would never have gotten over to his degree back in the 90s because I think at least 30% of his popularity can be attributed to his reputation from before. Would you say that's fair? Um, to start, for sure, yeah. I mean, the fact he came in with a certain amount of goodwill exactly. that would that kind of... He was winning those NXT polls. He was winning those NXT foals despite kind of, you know, kind of being buried on the show, not totally, because he was featured a lot, but, you know, he was buried on commentary and by a heel, but still, by the only commentator that really battered, and he was losing all of his matches. And he still kind of made it through that, and... You know, then when he was U.S. champion, I think you know he still in some cities got the big reaction. I remember at at Survivor Series 2011, after he had won Money in the Bank, the debut of the untimely Daniel Bryan chant, which I think I mentioned once before <laughs> during the Mark Henry versus Big Show match. So, um, so I think that uh, I think that like the, the fact that they didn't, and then the fact that they didn't really just go with that popularity shows that they still have this. This weird thing where they don't follow logical pushing patterns unless they really, really want to. And, of course, we'll get to The Shield, who are the complete opposite side of that coin pretty soon. But the fact that that it's been such an uphill battle for someone like Daniel Bryan after he caught fire shows that it's not the same WWF or WWE that it used to be and uh, kind of proves my point from 2012. They certainly have it in them to book something right. And that's why I feel like a lot of times it's just it's not incompetent so much as they have this weird philosophy of what how things should be done. And I don't know where it came from.
0: Yes, because I mean, the missteps with Daniel O'Brien and his push going into SummerSlam and coming out of it have been talked about. Um, sometimes people are very paranoid about him, overly emotional, but it's that emotion that has made it so good. And as it turns out, If you had any doubts about that thing not coming to proper fruition, you were right, so fair point. But to me, CM Punk, who I think we both agree, they did accept for the most part, and if not making him the number one guy as he aspired to, went with him as one of their top guys for the majority of the time since that last show we did, their number two guy. And this is a guy they had ordained to be in the club now and they still completely mishandled him, had him lose on every pay-per-view after he came back from Money in the Bank. He lost on, I think, one, two, three, three or four straight pay-per-views before he won the world
1: title and held it for more than a year and wrestled the Rock. Well, yeah, this is something that I almost want to, like, get into to kind of prove the point about Daniel Bryan, which is no matter how popular Daniel Bryan is, no matter how much it seems like WWE is finally listening and they have something good planned for him, look at what they did with CM Punk. And yes, yes, it eventually all worked out for CM Punk. I'm not saying otherwise, and certainly it could all work out for Daniel Bryan. But they they absolutely mishandled the follow up to that incredibly hot, uh, mainstream g- attention grabbing storyline that made him a top guy. Um, I actually was talking to um, a friend of ours, a California based friend who. Wants to remain nameless and, uh, one of the biggest stars in the business. Yes. <laughs> and he, uh, he made a great point, which is Punk, if he was going to walk out on WWE, he probably should have done it during the fall after that big uh, angle where he went from being this hot, hotly pushed rebel to a guy who was excited to wear Triple H's jacket and do commentary because Triple H is the coolest guy. And the fact that he was jobbed out to Triple H in that, that I mean, that's just, that's madness that they, they could somehow rationalize doing that. And because of that, to me, that makes me feel like anything is possible with Daniel Bryan. No matter how many times the crowd tells them, no, wait, go back to Daniel Bryan, they could, they will always, I mean, not always, but they could always decide, well, actually, maybe this would be the best thing to do. Yeah, well, I mean,
0: that's the distinction I was trying to make: is that more than insidious political plots, the meta storyline they've been telling with him about being held down. I think a lot of it is just honest incompetence I th- and an inability to tell a, a cohesive story. I think
1: a lot of it is absolutely. I think some of it is a little bit of um, a little bit of bad intentions. Mm-hmm. A little bit Machiavellian in uh, in its goals. Or maybe not even, because that would be an end justifying the means, and um, I don't know what end they're really going for. I think just the means justify the end in their case, which is that they will do what they want and fuck you. And then sometimes...
0: Wait, they will do what they want and <laughs> fuck you, or they will do what they want fuck you.
1: Okay, let's let's put it that way. That's not, <laughs> They will do what they want, and fuck you too, something like that. <laughs> but um, they're they're going to yeah. I mean they're just they like Vince obviously this Batista thing. Um, so just uh, for the uninitiated, which is no one listening to this, um, but they signed Batista to a contract coming back after coming back after four years, and uh, they decided the ba- best thing to do with him since they clearly had no babyface who was being primed for a world title run at WrestleMania they should put him, Batista, the returning hero, into the main event at WrestleMania and have him win the Royal Rumble and have him triumphantly defeat Randy Orton and give comeuppance to Triple H and the authority at WrestleMania. And uh, somehow along the way, uh didn't work out so well. And I think uh, Justin might have been at ground zero for that.
0: I mean, I, I was on uh, that conversation with esteemed journalists Alan Cunahan and Todd Martin, and I threw that question out to them on a year in review show wondering how long it would take fans to catch on that Batista was the the roadblock and the enemy to Daniel Bryan and get turned on and 0 seconds was the answer. well 6 6 days let's say
1: cuz that first raw people people were pretty into it I think mm mm-hmm. mhm but it was uh tell me it was tell uh, me about the Royal Rumble Justin well it was
0: January and we <clears throat> Obama was president.
1: It was very cold. It's like a it's like almost like a polar vortex <laughs> caused by big E you glacier. <laughs> I think
0: there was just this sentiment that I mean, yeah, Daniel Bryan didn't win the belt at Hell in a Cell, but that thing happened in Seattle and that I
1: think was the real like kickoff to this whole thing was that that Seattle thing where um, where the crowd pretty much just took over that whole ending segment and made it about Daniel Bryan. And then Cena kind of took that and ran with it and made his promo at least halfway about Daniel Bryan. And then Daniel Bryan kind of got the final offensive move in that awesome segment to end it. And, um, and it's something like, Hmm, maybe they're doing something with Daniel Bryan again. Maybe they've figured this one out. And, uh, <laughs> And the Royal Rumble was obviously the place to pull the trigger on that, as so, or so we all thought.
0: Yes, that was, we did not know Batista was coming back yet, and
1: I think you and
0: me and many other people, when we put our, tried to anticipate a logical WrestleMania card, we worked backwards from John Cena vs. The Undertaker and a payoff to the Daniel Bryan storyline. And uh, where we went wrong was, Their cards worked backwards in a very different way, and it's no wonder no one predicted that card, because how could you?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously I think the big wild card of the card, it was uh, John Cena versus Bray Wyatt. I don't think, I can't imagine how anyone would have seen that coming before it was actually kind of reported. And, uh, I mean, I almost say, like, it kind of freaked me out when I first saw it. I was like, really? Come on. (laughs) But I guess, like, good on them for really kind of running with Bray Wyatt, because it is a... it is a good character, and he's he's developed into a you know he's I mean I still don't think he's like anything special in the ring yet, but he's certainly developed into someone who can have very good matches, and uh, you know he might be able to have one with Cena, so um, so I, I, I I'm almost kind of impressed that they even had the forethought to make that match, although I'd still definitely prefer Cena versus The Undertaker because I just believe. That's the biggest marquee match they could do. But well, we'll talk about WrestleMania, I guess, as we move on chronologically. Sure, sure. But, I
0: mean, the, these uh, in-between WrestleManias, the other big one that – oh, well, first, the the big Wyatt bummer happened when Daniel Bryan joined the Wyatt family, as JBL suggested repeatedly, shrilly, most differently, illogically. Um, so that was weird. I never really thought – I, from the second it happened, I thought it was a, a double agent thing where he was going to get revenge on uh, Bray White by finally finding a way to get him alone. That didn't mean, though, based on everything we'd been through, I did not have to doubt at the time that it was the latest conspiracy to get everybody to shut up about him.
1: Yeah, and I still don't know, honestly. I mean, do we, do we don't really know, really, like what was going on there. I, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, he's going to turn back next week. Like, and then everyone, then I started reading people talk about it. I was like, oh, wait, maybe he's not going to turn back next week. Maybe he's just turning heel. And which just, it just seemed inconceivable to me because, uh, first of all, it wasn't built up to it all. And he had just had that big thing in Seattle. And uh, I guess, thank goodness for some, uh, what was the, what was the college?
0: It was was uh, Michigan State, I think.
1: Yeah, thank goodness for them. I mean, they, uh, they set the record straight for that one. So at that point, we had two options, which is one, Daniel Bryan turns back now, or two, Daniel Bryan turns back at the Royal Rumble and wins in an amazing, triumphant moment. And uh, they certainly weren't going to go with uh, with the second option, as we now know. So um, I think the next big stop on the road to where we are now was uh, the cage, where Daniel Bryan turned back uh, face against Bray Wyatt. And um, that was incredible. I, I will go as far as to say one of the most incredible things I've seen on Raw in, uh, in years. That's what's so funny about
0: the whole Brian story is anything that could go wrong from that you would think would screw it up has only made it better, including being put in the Wyatts, um, being transitioned out of the world title program for Big and Cena led to the deal in Seattle, even not being in the Royal Rumble and Dave Batista winning the Royal Rumble. Only made Daniel Bryan bigger and uh, ruined Batista pretty much.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's sort of what happened with Sheamus in 2012, shortly after we recorded our last uh, our last podcast. Um, so um, the, I mean Daniel, he's, a, he's a, Daniel Bryan because un- because I'm sorry, but be- because of the um, of the nature of why he's popular, and because of I think what's amounted to a big sea change in the crowd. And people can say that it's bullshit if they want, but I'm, going, I'm watching these shows on TV. And without fail, these cities, the, the smarkiness of these crowds is way higher than it's ever been at any point, ever. And it's not just like a post-WrestleMania or WrestleMania crowd. There's a big change in the composition of these crowds and how much they know. And they will cheer for their favorites. And, it's, they are, and as long as there's ever a glimmer of hope for someone they like, they will they will cheer for them, and I think that's going to go on now for for a long time until, or for probably forever. I would say because that's just how it is now. That
0: for sure. You know how people try to delineate the the exact begin and end date of the Attitude Era and like this transition from Hulkamania to the new generation to the Attitude Era to whatever you call the next one to John Cena times. Yes. I think. I mean, it, it seems obvious and people will say it's overrating it, but I really think this era started with the CM Punk promo um, before Money in the Bank and the Money in the Bank show. I think that was the, the big turnover because, uh, of course, the cultural critic Raymond Williams says there's no such thing as a master narrative. We all know that and acknowledge it. But just for the exercise, um, in – after WrestleManias in 2010 and 2011, that was it for Shawn Michaels, Batista until now, um, Edge. It was the end of Undertaker as a guy who worked more than just WrestleManias, and it was the end of Triple H as anything but the um, COO character who comes back and works big matches. And then at that Money in the Bank... Punk made himself and ascended to just below the very top of the company, and Brian won the Money in the Bank briefcase, which leads to him winning the belt, learning the word yes, and losing in 18 seconds. And he was off from there.
1: Yeah, I don't know. What, what would you even call this era? Almost like the uh, the Indie Darling era? <laughs> like It's pretty much... I mean, wish fulfillment era is,
0: is not what you're going to call it in uh, nostalgia mode on the video game in 20 years, but this is a time when they each had a main event classic match where they beat John Cena and won the title. The Rock came back. Brock Lesnar came back. Short of willing Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels out of retirement because they don't want to, you get it. I mean, Bruno Sammartino came back to the WWE. So it's far from perfect, but the crowd change that you're talking about, I think, definitely goes hand-in-hand hand with it. And, I mean, just in terms of roster composition, it's when they made their attempts, I think, and if they could have drawn it up in a wrestling simulator where if you just do things, they happen, uh, Sheamus and Alberto Del Rio
1: would have joined Cena and Horton as the top stars in the company. I definitely think your narrative is correct (laughs) i it 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 makes a lot of sense to me but the question is like what will become of this era and i think that's kind of like what we're talking about here like there's Mm -hmm. there there is still despite what anyone might say there is still resistance to to it like within the company i it it's quite obvious because this is not how they've historically pushed people that they really 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 are behind there's still a little bit of kicking and screaming going on I think that it's pretty clear that they like Daniel Bryan a lot. They think he's great and they want him to be a big part of their shows. I think the same was true of CM Punk. Um I think that there's still a really hard time seeing Daniel Bryan as the level of star that they uh that that the crowd seems to want him to be. I mean I mean let's I'm I'm trying to think of, you know, historical parallels. There was Chris Benoit who despite them giving a big, you know, several in- inexplicably huge, amazing, triumphant moments, too. And I still, to this day, can't understand how that ever happened. Because there was, certainly was no groundswell support for him. He was popular, but it wasn't like that. And
0: you know, If anything, he had been flattened out, I mean, from the when he was really popular with the series of angle matches. I mean, that was a year removed from those at that point. when they were like, oh,
1: how about Benoit? Yeah, that's true. And I mean, and- I
0: know the supposed story quasi-logic behind it of why it it didn't happen for these guys was uh, Randy Orton was supposed to break up in Evolution and they decided it was too soon and so they were going they just came up with a storyline where someone from SmackDown would win the Royal Rumble starting at 1 and jump to Raw and wrestle Triple H and at first it was supposed to be rapping man John Cena and they said he may not be ready for this either so Somehow it was like, well, Benoit, have a great match, and there you go, Chris Benoit won the main event of WrestleMania and the
1: Royal Rumble, and right. we got two, yeah, two of the biggest pay-per-view moments ever that we're not allowed to see anymore, and we are, uh, they're back, they're back. You are, you, you never, they never left for you, Justin. I know that um,
0: <laughs> sociopath,
1: <laughs> probably a little, um. The, um, but, okay, but even with, so, so with him, because I think he'd be the closest parallel, well, maybe the second closest, because I'll get to the other one, is, um, is, you know, they gave him those moments, but they were absolutely never going to make him their top guy, nor do I blame them for not doing that, I, but they just never were going to see him that way. Um, I'd say the closer parallel when it comes to, like, ground 12 support would be Eddie Guerrero, and the, there was a clear, business strategy to doing that, which is, yeah, he may be short, but so are the other Mexicans. So it works out for us because they, because they like him. So, um, and he had a lot more traditional wrestling charisma than Chris Benoit did. And, but at no point with Eddie Guerrero was there this, was there what's going on with Daniel Bryan? I would say at no point really for almost anyone ever, who wasn't already pushed as the top guy? Was there this? Um, so I think we're kind of in uncharted territory when it comes to somebody like him. And, um, of course, there's also the possibility that once Daniel Bryan actually makes it to the mountaintop, people won't like him as much anymore. And I think, that, I think that's almost inevitable. I, I think that with the... With Why is Brian holding down Cesaro? You never know. But, like, with stuff like that, like, because the crowd has changed so much and because there's this kind of thing where people are in the mode of we're going to get what we want and screw the screw the company, I think there's always going to be a little bit of resistance to cheering the push guy. And, like, so I don't know if there'll ever, there's ever going to be an Austin where, again, where he's, like, he's the most pushed and the most popular to the live crowds. I mean, obviously, the most pushed guy is going to be the most money-drawn guy, but the crowds are always going to kind of want to do their own thing because it's cool now. So it's going to be a weird situation, and it's fascinating to watch.
0: And as for the Eddie Guerrero comparison you brought up, I think it's actually even more similar than you remember because Eddie had the demographic thing, which is how they, they caught on. Dave tell, Meltzer tells a story a lot where someone who... I think someone is Paul Heyman sometimes, and other times it's just someone, points out um, all the ticket sales and, and SmackDown ratings on Southwest markets and Latino demographics for Eddie Guerrero, but he also had, when he was doing uh, the Tajiri tag team and the cheat-to-win finishes, and Eddie Guerrero started to get surprisingly popular, and then one day... <laughs> We just found out Eddie Guerrero is going to wrestle for the world title in the main event of a pay-per-view and probably win. And I'm not sure people saw it coming. Daniel Bryan, similarly, was uh, wrestling these long matches and kept getting better and better reactions for the great comebacks he would do in these matches and just a groundswell of support. And then once again, pretty unexpectedly, they said, sure, he can be in the main event of a
1: pay-per-view and win. Well, if you remember, at least as it was reported, the reason that he was going to ever get a pay-per-view main event title match was because they wanted this particular John Cena title reign to have a classic match, and they thought Daniel Bryan was the reliable hand to do it with. Somewhere in between that decision and the actual match, which was going to be at Money of the Bank and ended up being at SummerSlam, they actually figured out that Daniel Bryan was not just a good hand, but was actually really popular. And and I guess since John Cena was leaving, at least that's how it's reported, they decided that Daniel Bryan should go over and end up feuding with Triple H and Randy Orton in Cena's absence. Now, I am slightly skeptical of the notion that the only reason Daniel Bryan won was because of Cena leaving. But I suppose it's possible. Um... What do you think about that?
0: I think that the angle of Triple H turning was always laid out for SummerSlam. Triple H turning on the winner of the SummerSlam main event and handing the belt to Randy Orton was
1: the plan for a long time. Because you, because you think back to that SummerSlam match, and whatever you say about how, what they think of Daniel Bryan, what they do with Daniel Bryan, how they kind of undermined his push – how many guys have ever beaten the top star of the WWE clean in the middle with a finisher, not a roll-up or anything like that, clean, knocked him out, pinned him on a pay-per-view main event? It really, really never happens. And uh, that's a big show of faith. And maybe it was something that Cena insisted on or Cena really pushed for, because I guess he can't really insist when you got Vince there. But But at the same time, at some moment, they had to have thought we're going to go with this guy as our top babyface. They had to have had that thought in their mind to do that finish, I think. That's why it was so inconceivable to me when
0: people would say they were burying him in the weeks after that because I had just watched him go over Randy Orton, Sheamus, and John Cena clean in succession, and you don't have to do that if you don't want to, and they did. So I never thought he was suddenly going to become the top guy in the company any more than I thought Punk was going to become the top guy in the company two years before. But I thought he could for sure become a main event babyface and get a real reign.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think that he was being buried. I think that's too strong. But I I definitely think that there was a lack of confidence in the way they booked him. The, I, I, I definitely think there was a sense of we're going to self-fulfill this prophecy and not book him to be a strong draw, and then when he 's not one we 're going to say he 's not one I, I I absolutely think that that there is like, i don 't think it was just pure like, oh, this is the best thing to do for him to get him over I, 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 there 's no way that I believe that because i 've seen them book too much i 've seen them book guys in a way to get them over. Look at Roman reigns. they know what to do that 's not how you do it so i um so I do think there 's a bit of schizophrenia or maybe bipolar or just multiple personality whatever um uh what's the name of that book that all the uh mental illnesses are in? The uh that they can I'm just
0: thinking of uh psychological thriller movies based around all those plots. But any but whatever gets your murdered. Yeah,
1: but what, but whatever whatever it is, there was some of that going on. Uh I, I don't think it was just their good faith, genuine best best effort to get this guy over as the as the as a top face.
0: And yet though, at the same time, in between uh the June pay per view, payback, I think yeah, when he lost the tag match to the Shield and the Royal Rumble, where he put over Bray Wyatt, who's going to work with John Cena next, Daniel Bryan did not do a
1: clean job for six or seven months. But he also didn't really get those big triumphant moments too much either after SummerSlam. I mean, what they did right after SummerSlam, having him beaten down um, every week and twice a week, really. Twice a week at
0: a time when many main event programs did not appear on SmackDown.
1: What? What? How could you possibly defend that? I mean, I just don't like. What? What's the logic?
0: Well, the logic to me that I went out on a gigantic limb for and was steadfastly certain was that they piled up all this heat on him for a big comeback and a big uprising of the babyfaces against the authority. <laughs> Which if I recall correctly did not happen. <laughs> right. And was never going to happen.
1: Yeah, it was never going to happen. It's an important point. Um they you know, th- why they do the things they do we'll never understand. I think that was kind of my point a couple of years ago also. It's just they just have weird ideas and they and they're and it could be so simple. But it's not. Um but anyway. But
0: that's we'll go back to what we said about him. Somehow He's like a a guy from a Greek myth or an ancient parable or something because every bad thing that happens to him brings him back stronger. He was fired, and they had to bring him back in the main event at SummerSlam.
1: You know what I think really does it for him that really keeps him up there? And this sounds really stupid, but I swear it's part of the package, is that I can't think of another main event wrestler for whom, when you're excited and cheering him, not only do you get to make a lot of noise, but you also get to do a gesture, and it becomes something that's like visually impressive. Um uh, can you think of another example of that? Um, no, uh, I'm Stone Cold
0: Steve Austin did not have people raise their middle fingers and yell "what." Right. I mean, uh,
1: it's 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 different, and uh, I think it makes a difference in how people, how much people relate to him and want to cheer him. And uh, obviously, there's a lot of that's far from the top reason but I think it's part of the reasons why this has had legs and it's spread so well. It's kind of a fun thing to be a part of. And, um, obviously it's spread to other live events, non WWE wise. And I think it'll probably be a wrestling gesture for years after Daniel Bryan stops being relevant to the main event scene in WWE. And, uh, and I think that's going to kind of give him some extra legs. Um, I think also, though,
0: there is a definite connection with him now where people are just, they love you, bro. We really, really love you. I think there's some aspect of how the Hardys got over where people just found them relatable in rather different ways than Daniel Bryan. But I also think it it goes back to the the definite shift in the the crowd that you were talking about. I know at at various points on different podcasts, you and I have both said we – Never at any point thought that either CM Punk or Daniel Bryan could be the top or the number two babyface in WWE. But we absolutely thought they could be number one heels. Yeah. And I think that that's the difference in the audience now. If we thought they could be uh, Edge in 2006, 2007, or Kurt Angle for his prime, they would have been in a different time. But the difference now is that the audience – is more hardcore and more vocal about the things they like in wrestling. And if this audience was around then, they would have enjoyed Edge as a performer so much, or Kurt Angle as a performer so much, that they would have just cheered them over everyone and turned them babyface.
1: Huh. Um, you're right, um, obviously. Um, I, I... The thing, that, the thing that's so strange to me is like I think that if – you know, Daniel Bryan's been my favorite wrestler for a long time. I think even if I was the booker, I would not have pushed Daniel Bryan as my top babyface. I would not have even thought it was a good idea. I, 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 you know, I'm not someone who has these preconceived notions about what a wrestler could look like, and I think Daniel Bryan is multi, multi-talented. But the top babyface in WWE around WrestleMania season? I don't know. Would you have even considered it before it just happened?
0: Hang on there, Matt. Let me cut you off for one second in the conversation you and I are having right now so I can talk about my sponsor for today's show. That's our friends over at ESPN.com. ESPN.com is the official website of the ESPN channel, and it's bringing the worldwide leader to the worldwide web. The site is loaded with features for true sports nuts like news, scores, game recaps, stats, team rosters, player weights, self perpetuated narratives, and fantasy sports. And for one time only, how about this special deal? Use my promo code SHAPS for free access to a video at the top of the page that you don't want to watch but plays automatically, and you can't stop it. So why not make today the day that you make it today? www.espn.com. It's da-da-da, da-da-da, dot-com. Anyway, Matt, you
1: were saying? CM Punk was always a guy from, like, very early on. I think that's it's true of probably most people who saw him. that said, this guy can be, like, the the top guy in wrestling. Um, yeah, and
0: he had already been the, the best heel in the company. He was only pushed like it sometimes, but he had certainly delivered in that role for two years before his big moment. Absolutely. And that's part of why people were so behind him when he really spoke out the way he did.
1: And they are like, he's right. We watched it happen. And that's part of why people are so sad that he left, because for whatever you think, he was screwed or not, the guy's just – he's really good. I know people like to pretend that he's somehow some indie guy who can't – do certain things but now he's probably when it comes to all around uh, wrestlers and like the every aspect of the performance in terms of what wwe has historically looked for he is the best wrestler in the whole world and uh it's and probably the best performer best wrestler of the past five or six years in the whole world and you know not worker in the ring but just overall package as a wrestler, and it's a big deal that he left, and uh, people who try to downplay it are kind of silly, because it's, it's a big thing. I went to the
0: Royal Rumble in Pittsburgh. Uh, when it happened that night, I was like, god damn, I'm going to be the hottest podcast guest in the business, and then Punk quit the company the next day, and I was like, oh, no one cares anymore. Yeah. but <laughs> People still care.
1: People still care.
0: It, it, well, I, all this talk about hijacking the show and things like that. That crowd, and they're ready for it now. They learn from that night, and now they have new tricks of putting Brian on first and pointing in directions to make people less upset about potential things. You've sort of brought that up before about people still until uh, their dying breath are going to believe there's a way to fix all this, and maybe they will. But uh, for all the talk of fans hijacking the shows, Pittsburgh not only hijacked that show, but they shot a hostage – they killed the Royal Rumble and Dave Batista and I actually went back into my telephone. This is like that uh, – what's the Kevin Spacey Netflix thing?
1: Oh, uh, House of Cards.
0: Yes, where they show the, the text messages on the screen to be like, blah, bloop, bloop mm-hmm. political intrigue afoot, question <laughs> mark. I've never seen it, but I know they show the text <laughs> messages on the screen. <laughs> there is a big plot point where someone suggests that political intrigue is afoot. Oh, it was, right? it was the president.
1: He was like, political intrigue
0: afoot? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let's see here. I have to open up a a notepad. I mean the program notepad. I didn't scribble this out like Dave Meltzer with a hyperlink. Okay, I found it. Yeah. Now, I mean, I was excited about the Royal Rumble for a long time. There was nothing I wanted more than to see a really great Royal Rumble with an exciting finish. Many such Royal Rumbles have happened before. I didn't even demand Daniel Bryan win it. I just wanted like something satisfying, which satisfying did not include just holding him out of the match to ensure that Batista got the right reaction. And it was, I think we held out hope up until that shameless thing. And then as people saw the whole card come together, it was just, they had booked their own road to WrestleMania and by God, they're going to will it into existence. And unfortunately they couldn't. So they did the next best thing. Uh, Brian and Bray Wyatt had a great opener. Bray Wyatt won clean, and on the one hand, it was sort of discouraging for Team Daniel Bryan movement because it's like, oh, he's just been used to get John Cena's opponent uh, over, but there was still that flicker of, well, of course, they would, ha- they would have no problem beating him clean if he was going to come back and win the Royal Rumble. And you asked me, do you sense any palpable Brian-based angst in the crowd at 8.16 p.m.? A potential Rumble crowd hijack, question uh, mark. When I got there, people were doing the yes and chanting Daniel Bryan before the show started. So I thought, yeah, these are my kind of people. And I said, hijack Cena in Orton, yes. Rumble depends on layout. And... Cena and Randy Horton hijacked for sure, if that is what happened. People weren't having it. He said, text me if you hear Daniel Bryan chants pop up. It'll make me feel better. And <laughs> I said, they started immediately. I don't know
1: how loud.
0: And he said, yeah, we heard them.
1: He said, Pittsburgh, you've changed your reputation forevermore. It's, it's, it is, and by the way, and I should I should imagine, I mean, Pittsburgh, I don't know if it's changed recently or if it's still been that way, but – it was always a pretty uh pretty notoriously dead crowd who was not that interested who were not that engaged and boy is that not what happened at the royal rumble they they really have changed their reputation forever i think they're the crowd that started the uh the hijack movement
0: <laughs> um yeah they they got it done in that match i would love to let the steel city of champions take full credit I'm fairly sure that the Royal Rumble brought in a diverse audience of hardcore WWE fans from the general area. As opposed to the people who would be there for uh customary dead raw on many nights in Pittsburgh. Hmm.
1: Well, we've seen in subsequent shows that it's not just these, like, traveling pay-per-view crowds that have these reactions. It's, mm, that is true. It's random. I mean, it's, you know, Minneapolis for, no, for Elimination Chamber, um, a lot of just – a lot of various places. Um, um, I, I'll be very curious actually to see what Memphis and San Antonio are like in the next two weeks because those are not notoriously smarky cities. Um, generally, the South ha- isn't for whatever reason. It's kind of that's kind of a northern phenomenon, and um, but I bet you that some of that's going to bleed into Memphis and uh, San Antonio as well because I think it's just in the zeitgeist.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I felt bad for Batista for a while because you know it's not like he should turn down out of the goodness of his heart this role, especially when people assumed and based on the first week he was there. That the crowd would be like, Hey, it's Batista Cool. So he's doing stuff like he's so excited to come back and fight and he's kissing the ring when he comes back to Raw and he's like, Hey everybody, it's your old pal the animal <laughs> And no. People were against him. Um so I felt bad for him. I mean it's fine now. He he is basically gonna ride it like uh were the examples I always use Honky Tonk Man, the um Shane McMahon WCW WCW Hulk Hogan and Rocky Maivia he can like all of them take all of the audience distaste and transition into a good heel run.
1: Yeah I mean I absolutely felt bad for him. I mean he was just just wrong place wrong time. It's all it's all it is like and uh they made the, he made the best out of it cuz he is a good heel and uh one day he'll probably be a face again at a better with better timing and better positioning. I believe that. Um and uh yeah, I mean, what can you do? This this is like a one one in a million kind of situation, which is another reason why it's frustrating to see WWE continue to screw it up. But I know that you do say that Daniel Bryan is kind of bulletproof that the things that they do to hurt him make him make him stronger. There there is a time limit on this. At a certain point, people are just going to give up on it. I don't know when that is. It could be a long time from now. It could be after WrestleMania. It's going to happen though. And uh, you just don't want to see that window closed.
0: Yeah, it's got to happen soon. It has to happen. I mean, Extreme Rules, especially when it was in Seattle, seemed like a fine idea to me. If for some reason they're beholden to a lot of these plans, I don't really get why. Um, if he challenges at the pay per view in is it New York now? Extreme Rules. It's uh, and- well New
1: uh, Jersey, which you know, close enough. Oh, the NYNJ area? Yes, right, yeah, the same this is like right next to MetLife Stadium, yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, another even
0: a DQ or whatever to keep the chase going. That's one too many. It's time to take care of it right there. Well,
1: that's I that's think, the th- okay. Well, actually we can we can talk about WrestleMania now if you want. Um Yeah. Okay, so WrestleMania. That's where everyone's been talking about. It. That's kind of been the center of all this controversy. What is the what are they going to do? At WrestleMania. Now, I think you and I are both, you know, WrestleMania marks, I guess you'd say. it's we're, You know, we're into that whole idea of the big grand show that everyone will remember and talk about for years and the legacy and all that stuff. We grew up on it. It's a big deal to us. We kind of... I
0: got accustomed to it from 2001 to about 2008.
1: Where it was great every year, almost?
0: Just about, yeah.
1: Yeah. And they, uh, you know, they, they, they had that great era of, you know, the big WrestleMania's. And it's been over for a while now. Big
0: stadium WrestleManias with the, for the most part, correct main events and cards that had uh, a lot of great matches up and down, even if some of them were invariably shortchanged on time.
1: Yes, and uh, and you know that era has been over now for a few years, let's say at least five years, and um, but we still hold that hope every year that they're going to get it right this time. And this year they because they have I mean it's not hard. Yeah, well they say this. If they wanted to this year it was there were just some real obvious ones. Like yes, Cena vs. Undertaker in my opinion is the way to go. But even if they didn't do that, you know Daniel Bryan versus they could they could have done Daniel Bryan you know in the title match you know straight up with Orton. They could have somehow put the belt on Triple H and done Daniel Bryan versus Triple H in that sense. If they had done the Shawn match, that would have worked for me just fine. I think most people would have been happy with that dream match scenario. Um, at this point, they might not even be anymore, though, if, they, if that ended up happening, because people are so invested now with Brian in the title match. Um, you know, a CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar rematch, I think people would have really been into. There are a lot of ways... Of, you know, the Shield versus the Wyatt family, which we see now definitely was WrestleMania-worthy. Um, we, you know, so, you know, so there's a lot they can do. And then they just came up with, like we talked about, this bizarre card that they are really sticking with um, that originally included Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus, and Triple H versus CM Punk, which didn't make sense when I first heard it either, because they really hadn't been going in that Triple H versus Punk direction at all. And, um, until I guess the New Age Outlaws turned on him. And,
0: um. Uh, I, I mean, if you think. At one point, it seemed like he had sent the Wyatts after Triple H, or Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, and then there was no payoff to that. I mean, I guess you can assume he did, but no, you're right. The build to that started in that great end in Seattle when the instant gif of Punk in the background between <laughs> Triple H and Stephanie's uh, heads, laughing at his claims of being the best of all time. That was the kickoff to that angle. Oh, and then he punched him, right? They punched
1: each other and teased a big match down the road. I think, didn't didn't he punch Orton?
0: Oh, and then, oh, yeah. and then Triple
1: H interfered and punched Punk, you're right. Yeah, that, yes. that was a great angle.
0: But And Punk got mad and decked Triple H, and then Sean kicked... Uh, oh. Punk, and then Daniel Bryan needs Sean, and none of that will play into anything, aside from that Night.
1: Yeah, except from, I guess, vaguely you could tie the Triple H-Brian match into that. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, um, so we're, so we're ending up getting what looks to be, at this point, Cena versus Bray Wyatt, um, Randy Orton versus, Randy Orton versus Batista in a heel versus heel match, Daniel Bryan versus Triple H, and, um, And Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. And really, to me, none of those matches are marquee WrestleMania matches. The Undertaker match sort of inherently is, and I would have been very, very into that match had Brock Lesnar been undefeated at this point. I even said that two years ago on one of the shows that we did. I said, you know, the match that the Undertaker needs to have is against Brock Lesnar. But then they beat him in the next month against John Cena. And to me, immediately it made that match less interesting, because there's just no no natural storyline going into it. Of the two undefeated monsters, it, I think it could still be a good match or a great match. Um, I always have faith in the Undertaker at WrestleMania. Now, I absolutely, one hundred percent, always will until it match his match doesn't end up being the best match on the card. And um, but it's just it's just a weird show to try to sell. This is WrestleMania thirty, and our main event, even if it's not last, you know, it is the title match, and it still so far has been promoted as the main event is two heels that nobody likes going against each other in a match that no one wants to see. And there's really nothing on the undercard that can compensate for that. So I don't know what's going to happen, but they have all these they have all this great depth now. I mean maybe not great depth, but pretty good depth compared to where they've been in the past few years with the SHIELD and with Antonio Cesaro. And it doesn't seem like they have anything super exciting for those guys either. So it's just it's just kind of it's just kind of weird how they approach WrestleMania now as they, as opposed to how they did it 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, if we had learned on Christmas time, when that card came out that they were playing on Daniel Bryan versus Triple H, I think people would have thought, okay, cool. I mean, all all people wanted was a resolution to this storyline and not the withholding the payoff and withholding the payoff and, Stealing the belt from this guy and saying he wasn't good enough to win it and then coming up with technicalities for him to not win it and then him not winning it and then him shifting into a feud with the weirdos from a (laughs) and then being like, well, you you can't fight City Hall. Anyway, got to move on with my career. That is just unacceptable. And I think psychologically, if he had won the belt at Hell in a Cell and lost it in December or January – people would have been... I mean, they may not have wanted Randy Orton to get the belt back, but they would have been satisfied and there would not have been this bloodlust to pay off the storyline. It's um, it's completely unacceptable to... I know they, they're they famous for dropping storylines and I'm still not sure what the higher purpose of the Nexus was. I don't know why Hornswoggle booked all his matches as the anonymous general manager, <laughs> but you, you cannot have three months of stealing the belt from this guy and keeping it away from him and then just having him move on to something else and, and not paying it off in any way.
1: No, you can't. And, uh,
0: so him versus Hunter would have been a fine resolution to that. What The deal now is that the um, people are so against the idea of Batista in that match now that they are rejecting it until it's changed and Bryan in that match is such an obvious choice that I don't think... We really understand what's keeping it from happening and why you wouldn't just go with the easy fix there.
1: Which is which is unreason that a lot of people will still to this day not trust them to really be pushing him like seems obvious they should be. It's because why would you what, – what, what do you get out of keeping it to extreme rules? Like you're going to get some giant buy rate. They already decided that Daniel Bryan's not a draw, and most people aren't going to be watching on actual pay-per-view anyway. So what is the point? There's no point. And, um, and WrestleMania is when you make people like it just is, it's just when you, it's the moment that it the, the prestige moment of the year is the guy holding up the belt at the end of WrestleMania. It always has been, it maybe not always will be at this point, but at this point it still is. And you're not giving it to the guy who you supposedly want to make your big, your champion. It makes people skeptical and it makes people wonder about the Triple H match and if Brian's gonna win. And I know a lot of people say, well, of course he's gonna win. You know, some I heard one person even say, hmm, I wonder who it was, that you're a mark if you think that Triple H is gonna beat Daniel Bryan. But I uh I still think that it's possible. I would almost put it at fifty fifty or maybe a little bit higher for Brian winning, just because they're they're they just they they do odd things and they have odd rationale. And to me, anything's possible when it comes to them. In a bad way. In a bad way. And, and, and in a good way. Now, obviously, we've seen that before. I mean, right. Daniel Bryan in this position at all proves that. You know, uh, Antonio Cesaro out of the blue getting what amounts to a main event push or close to it, that anything is possible. The Shield, you know, basically Tyler Black coming into Ring of Honor and being. Essentially, even though he's kind of considered the weak link of that group, being super protected for a year and heavily featured, never would have expected that. Um, so anything is possible, good or bad. But we gotta remember that the bad is still possible.
0: Well, let me say as strongly as I can, just to have as many sound bites out there that people can throw in my face when it doesn't come true. He will 100% beat Triple H at WrestleMania, unequivocally.
1: I certainly think it's possible. I will never believe at, till the, whatever happens to WrestleMania, I will never believe that at one point they will not discuss the possibility of Triple H winning. I, I, I definitely believe that will broach their room. We'll never know. That's just my belief. Um, nothing that we can ever prove unless he actually wins. But I do think that they could rationalize doing that. I absolutely think so.
0: Don't you see though, Matt? I learned it from you. You showed me the way when 10 years ago we were having conversations where I said, well, I mean, it's just Chris Benoit. Why wouldn't Triple H want to win the main event of WrestleMania 20 when he just beat Booker T the year before? I mean, he's Triple H.
1: And the fact that the next pay-per-view was in Benoit's hometown, that was the other thing that led to that speculation, Mm -hmm. that Benoit could just win it there. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, but back then – they were a lot more consistent with the fact that, okay, we're ending WrestleMania with the babyface winning the title after a chase. They were still doing that whole thing, and they haven't done that in a few years. And um, and they've just been weird about Daniel Bryan. <laughs> but, uh, but Chris Benoit at that point had been given this, the, you know the short-term but absolutely genuine mega push where he won the Royal Rumble from number one and uh, they basically talked about him like he was a magical being when he ended up going from smackdown to raw. It like wow, Chris Benoit is here. I thought he only existed in my dreams. And he's
0: really mad?
1: Yeah. And he's really angry? Is there <laughs> anyone who can prove him wrong? Um, so um so it's different and I and I really feel terrible continuing to compare Daniel Bryan to Chris Benoit.
0: <laughs> right, but I mean it <laughs> In a vacuum, yes. Chris Benoit of 2000 or even 1994, 1989 to 2004, up until that point, are very comparable. I think, though, I mean, yes, I'll, I'll always after being so confident in the fall and seeing what happened, I'm not going to put 100% certainty into it. Because, you just like did. He
1: literally just did. No, no.
0: Not that they wouldn't put him over, but that they would see – title win to fruition and have him win the belt i think the portrayal of daniel bryan has changed pretty distinctly since the royal rumble whether it was because that convinced him or because they don't have a choice anymore without punk or whether it's just because if he's wrestling triple h he needs to be built up now to be a triple h worthy competitor and gladiator uh like the undertaker in that uh Titanic wordless showdown or whatever they framed it as uh, three years ago. Anyway, since the Rumble, uh, the GOAT stuff has been dropped. All the, the at least the babyface announcers do is talk about how good Daniel Bryan is at wrestling and competing and winning matches. And uh, the Bellas invented this yes movement term, which the company is running with, which I know annoys you, but to me, if we want Daniel Bryan to be utilized by them then they should try and market him and and have something in it for them and he wins a lot and things are pretty cool right now
1: and but go ahead let's keep an eye out for a possible several week long ending of triple h quote getting heat to build up their match because that's just how it ended on on monday uh, I notice in the SmackDown tapings that are going on as we record this that there is a big show and Daniel Bryan versus Batista and Kane match main eventing that show, and I fully think it's possible that big show will turn on Daniel Bryan during that match and end the show with beating him down that way, and I just just keep an eye out for that because there's there's a little because that's that's part of that same self fulfilling prophecy where we're going to do what we can to make this guy less hot so that we can say he's not hot anymore. And I don't think it'll work at this point in time, but I definitely can believe that's happening. I don't know why they would do it. I'm not saying they have a reason to do it. Why would they do that to their hottest guy that could actually get them attention? There's no reason. But they did it before. And... I just 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 keep an eye out for it. That's all I'm saying. As of March fourth, 2014, just keep an eye out for
0: it. In the midst, of, we were going to commit in a time capsule this show to the middle of the tapings that have not aired yet, that have not finished yet. A potential kill term. I don't know. I I think maybe we're getting Big Show versus Kane at WrestleMania.
1: Yeah. Are you excited now? Uh, no, no. I'm <laughs> not. And uh, okay, let's see. Show okay, well, okay. Well, the SmackDown did, in fact, end with uh, Big Show and Daniel Bryan celebrating victoriously, so never mind.
0: Hey.
1: <laughs> but, um...
0: And did Daniel did Bryan get the win? That's all he seems to be doing now on TV. Big Show punched Kane and Bryan rolled him up.
1: Hmm. Well,
0: oh no, Big Show is stealing his spot again. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny
1: when the Big Show did the yes show. I don't care what anyone says. They were trying to get... They were trying to spread that around. I, um...
0: I mean, going back to that, I wonder to the... I mean, pay-per-view buy rates don't exist anymore, but they were a big data point at the time. So SummerSlam, um, whatever Unforgiven is and whatever No Mercy is now, all came in with uh disappointing to bad buy rates, and it was like, oh my god, we were right. Daniel Bryan, Indie, Bad, smart Bubble, etc. Um, so whatever their notions of him were... Justified, And they were like, well, I'm sorry, we'll make you, like, just a popular babyface. We're not going to headline with you. And then the next set of shows come in, and Hell in a Cell does well, obviously with a lot of different supports than the previous Brian main events. Survivor Series tanks. Uh, the biggest match in WWE history between John Cena and Randy Orton is not as big as they thought. And so maybe all of a sudden it's not just a, a Daniel
1: Bryan problem and they were a little more open minded after that. I I will say 100% that I believe that's what happened. That's at least part of what happened. Um but at the same time their preconceived notions, you know, confirmation bias is really hard to overcome for anyone. And uh that's um that's something that is going to continue to happen whenever they whenever they can let it. You know, minds are hard to change and um you know, Vince McMahon, as at times, been very stubborn and has at times been very uh, erratic. And I guess we're going to hope for the erratic Vince in this case to, uh, to kind of open his eyes. And I, you obviously see he already has a little bit, but I still feel like it's slightly begrudgingly.
0: Yeah. It was annoying to think about, but it made sense to me at the time when they drew up their WrestleMania card just – Vince and Triple H putting the show together, being like, well, obviously we need Dave Bautista to come back. He's super strong, he's super cool, and he's great. So people will love it. It just it made sense to them. It was not a slight on Daniel Bryan. It just seemed obvious, right?
1: Yes and no. I think uh, I can understand it to a degree. But at the same time, I don't think he was ever so big that he would that he would be the guy where it's like, well, he's going to come back and just leap over everyone we've been pushing for the past two years. Well, he's not The Rock, you know. And um, and I think he would have been at least somewhat resented, no matter whom he was uh, taking the spot from, just because there is that whole thing. And it's not his fault. WWE has kind of made it this thing where it's like, our guys for most of the year don't matter because the guys from the past who, can come, who we can get back for that one show a year matter more. and. It's a really bad way to build your company for the future because eventually all those old guys are just going to get too old to come back. And if you haven't promoted the guys from this era, them coming back is not going to be that big of a deal. You know, Cena coming back at some point after he retires will be a big deal. But really, there's no one else at that level. So they really need to start putting their guys in positions where when they talk about the biggest show of the year, the showcase of the Immortals, it's their current stars that are in it. I mean, that was always the case during the best years of the, of it. Then really since... Um, you know, since 20, since WrestleMania 27, the past three years, all been about The Rock and, uh, you know, there and, and Cena and everyone else has been second rate. I don't know if you remember from WrestleMania um, 28, but the opening video was 100 percent Undertaker, Triple H, Cena and The Rock. And if you recall, the two world champions at that time were CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, and they were not anywhere to be found. So what does that say about, like, the rest of the year when your champions can't even make the opening video of WrestleMania? It's just just a bad habit, I think, that they're in because it's easy. It's a crutch, and uh, I don't think Batista was worth falling onto that crutch for, no matter how much I like him, which I do. Well, see, that was the end of an era match. So
0: after that year, as I remember, everything was that was the the final bow for those four guys, and then uh, the year after, (laughs) all the new guys came. Absolutely, actually, uh, Meltzer, comma Dave, I feel weird about just referring by his last name, like we're in a locker room or something. Had a a a few weeks ago, uh, a surprisingly poetic metaphor uh, for Dave Standards because. Where he he talked about now all talent in WWE and the shrinking middle class, where either you are somebody or you're completely nothing. Um, shrinking middle class is a, a great metaphor for that. Dave, I would expect more to just describe the roster as guys who are just you know guys or something. <laughs> like that. Yeah. But now it is at a point where either I mean look at Biggie Linton. Um, at the end of last calendar year, was kind of doing something and had the Intercontinental title. Now he really isn't anything. And Tony Cesaro really wasn't anything. And then on a whim, they kind of did something. with him. it's, it's all or nothing. Dolph Ziggler, very much nothing. Yeah, which is,
1: yeah, it kind of brings us all back around. It's pretty sad. At the same time, you know, I mean, people are kind of all about Daniel Bryan, the top guy, or bust. But if you look at it historically, how many guys in history, in, uh, since we've been watching, let's say, have been the top guy in WWF, WWE? So here's my list of people that I've decided to have been at any point the top guy. Um, Hulk Hogan. Bret Hart. Diesel. Shawn Michaels. Steve Austin. The Rock. Then it was kind of... No one for a little while, because it was kind of split between Brock Lesnar and Triple H. And then um, then John Cena. And that is it. <laughs> so if you think about that list, there's a lot of guys who aren't on that list, who've had pretty legendary careers, not the least of which would be The Undertaker. And uh, can't get more legendary than him, never been the top guy in WWE. I would say... If you were ever going to say that he was ever the top babyface in WWE, it would have been, I guess, that brief, probably 1997, right, after WrestleMania 13, where he was main eventing all the pay-per-views as champion, but still was definitely not positioned on TV as the most featured babyface. And about a month after WrestleMania, 20, um, WrestleMania 17. And that's it. And um, if Daniel Bryan can be in a top position and never be the top guy... I think that's quite okay. And the same goes for CM Punk. That's... I mean,
0: there are people who are very mad that CM Punk didn't completely displace John Cena as the focus of the company. There are people who are very mad that when Daniel Bryan, after SummerSlam, was not just handed the keys and and built around instead of John Cena. But to me, that's not what I ever wanted for them. What I want is... Lots of top guys who are really over and successful because you need a bunch of them. And if you have Steve Austin and The Rock, you can supplement them in all these different matches with Triple H and The Undertaker and Kurt Angle, and then to a lesser extent Jericho and Benoit, and of course Rikishi. <laughs> and there's there's been different ensembles. The the past Cena era, if we want to divide these eras up, pre uh, the current um, wish fulfillment era, pipe bomb era, whatever you want. The, the Yes and Best Connection, good times for us. Um, John Cena, Randy Orton, Batista, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, who am I forgetting, Edge, and someone else. Is that seven? Seven guys who could be mixed and matched in different combinations and main events and things like that. It's A lot of times those guys were hurt, and they didn't miss too much of a beat because they had – different guys to, to plug in. Absolutely. And now it is, Brian, just by gravitational pull is close to that point. Punk had been in that point and is now gone. Um, but it's, there was a point after, uh, John Cena beat Alberto Del Rio, uh, on two pay-per-views, which was already a rerun of a heel who was fed to him two years before, where, I couldn't think of anyone for John Cena to work with ex- after Randy Orton, besides Bray Wyatt. And now, I mean, I guess there's Batista, but there, there really is. There's no one for him to work
1: with. It's, it's, not, it's literally in the coming. And it's true because you think of it now, and you're like, oh, there's more depth than there was a few years ago. But in terms of actual star power, not really, because they haven't positioned anyone as main eventers. And um, I think that at this, this point, they need to start getting. Um, not just Roman Reigns, but and I know this isn't going to happen, but they also need to get Dean Ambrose into a position where he could be a main event heel because he's talented enough, and he, people clearly react to him, and he's been protected for a long time, and he could do good things in that spot. Um, Cesaro, I guess he's turning face because the crowd's going to force it, but I think he should be a top heel right now. Um, then you're still there's still guys that could still come in. Um, obviously uh Sami Zayn's not gonna be a heel, at least not to start. But he could definitely be somebody who could be in that mix. I wouldn't have said that when they first signed him, but seeing how he's used in NXT, I definitely think he could be in that mix. Um you know, they have the depth to where it could be great. Oh, and the other guy who I think people are really kind of sleeping on, who I think could legitimately be a main eventer and a big deal is Luke Harper. Uh he is great. Um I think uh the best the best in-ring member of the Wyatt family, um, His great facial expressions. I will never say facials. Um, <laughs> great, great facial expressions. Very, very talented. I believe he could be a main eventer. They have the. They have the. They have the guys. They just need to start positioning them in the right spots.
0: And I know everyone hates Seamus in a pile on that he's actually mostly skirted thanks to Batista taking all the heat. Yeah. But I think Seamus could easily turn back and be. Uh, a good opponent for all the top baby faces again, as he was in
1: 2010. I agree with that. He's a, he's an annoying babyface. He's a very good wrestler though, and uh, I think he absolutely could be in that mix. But the point is, they have a lot of guys. They just need to start putting them in those positions. I would have said Ziggler for sure. Oh. Now it's
0: really going to take some work to get him back even close to where he was it, a year ago. It might not
1: the cr- way the crowds are. It might not really be as hard that as it's true. It might not be as hard as it seems.
0: People would just be relieved and happy for him. Now that you mention it, yeah. If they went with him again,
1: so I mean, they have, they certainly have options, and they've done a good job with the shield. But if they're breaking them up, they can't—they—they—you know—they can't throw Rollins and Reigns and uh, Rollins and uh, and um, Ambrose to the side because they could really get a lot of use out of them. I absolutely believe Dean D- Ambrose could be a main event heel. D- do you have any doubt that he could be a main event heel if they really wanted to make him that? Nope. Yeah, no way.
0: I, he might be like Punk, where it takes longer than it should.
1: Right. But if they put him in that position and gave him some wins, he would be over in that position. And um I think if anyone's gonna take C M Punk's spot overall, it would probably be Dean Ambrose actually. They're they're the most similar in terms of kinda like the the vibe you get from them. And uh you know. a lot
0: of people roll their eyes over these uh like hardcore favorites who are overrated, but C M Punk was over from the first E C W taping through I mean, it wasn't four or three months after he debuted where he got all the chance in that Survivor Series match and uh, got all the chance in the Money in the Bank match at WrestleMania, and then uh, a year later, he won the Money in the Bank. And, uh, I mean, people choose those guys for a reason. It's not just arbitrary uh,
1: bias. No, I mean, it's clear, like, the guys who get pushed to, the like, the real top in the in a lot of these indies, especially during that era, were because they were exceptional – Like, you know, Daniel Bryan, you know, he's, I mean, we talk about, like, I was talking to uh, our California friend about the the indie guys who have made it in WWE, and, you know, they're all kind of a little bit on the tall tall side for the indies, except for Daniel Bryan, and Daniel Bryan, what he had going for him, and what made him so successful in the indies is that he was legitimately the best English-speaking wrestler in the whole world for, like, a number of years, and probably still is, and... You know, that's not, you know, you if you're exceptional enough, you're going to get somewhere. I didn't think you'd get here, but you would get somewhere. So, um yeah, th- you're right. There's a reason that these guys get beloved. It's not just for no reason. And um they're the best guys that WWE has. Like I um you know, like a Bray Wyatt's not part of that list, but I still think that he should be in that position. Uh, Seamus, not on that list, should be in that position. Dolph Ziggler, not on that list, but should be in that position. You know, it's not just indie guys, but they happen to have a lot of really great guys who are on the Indies right now. Uh, I was just thinking about, in 2008, there was a main event in New York City uh, for ROH that was... um, I was actually thinking about this while watching the Elimination Chamber. It was uh, Nigel McGuinness defending the title in a four-way elimination match against Tyler Black, Brian Danielson, and Claudio Castagnoli. Now, three of those four guys were in major, major positions at that pay-per-view. Uh, one of them uh, is retired, but I could definitely see him being part of that crew if he had stayed healthy. Uh, so the point is, I mean, there's a reason, like I, like you said, there's a reason that people react the way that they do to these guys. It's because they're better than some of the other guys that, that WWE had been trying to push at various points in the past.
0: Mm-hmm. I understand why Colt Cabana didn't Click. I don't think he's at the level of those guys. I mean, I think he's entertaining. could be useful. I was not surprised that they did not get him. Um, Low-key, dude's got problems. That's why
1: he didn't work. Yeah. He, he, uh, which, uh, which, that, which is unfortunate, because I think he would have been really good.
0: Yeah, maybe if he had had a chance to do his evil Rey Mysterio thing yeah. before he just tried to be pushed as a Tiny baby face. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, there's a, It's it's not just here where that's happened with him. And who else is there? McGinnis. I totally agree. I think he'd be basically the same story as all these. Uh, the same generation of people, and if anything, had had a lot more advantages because he's he's pretty strong.
1: Yeah, big and muscular. Yeah, absolutely. Just and, and more uh, more obviously charismatic than Cesaro, even though Cesaro obviously has his own charisma too. Mm-hmm.
0: And who else is there? Aries?
1: Just too small, no, I get I, it. I know, see, like you, you a- did it over there. Ares, I don't get, honestly. Because, um, I think, you know, I was talking about if you're phenomenally talented, you will be able to overcome the height thing at least to a point. I think Austin Aries is phenomenally talented. Uh, I don't know why they would not even consider him from tough enough. I, I, that, you know, there are people who slip through the cracks, certainly. I, uh, you know, but, uh, un- if there are enough guys that are going to be able to make it, I never in a million years would have thought that Chris Hero or El Generico would have been signed by WWE. They both did. Uh, Chris Hero was doing all right for a while. El Generico, semi Zayn, he's going to be a star in WWE. I, just, you, unless he gets hurt, you can't imagine. I can't imagine it not happening. So um, you know, just crazy times. Crazy times you live in. Um. Well, we said
0: we weren't going to talk about Daniel Bryan the whole time, and we mostly did. But hey, it's, he's cool. Yeah, I mean, it,
1: listen, everything that's going on now is kind of centered around what's going on with him. And uh I think my big takeaway here is, like, he doesn't have to be the top guy, but you're you're right. He should be in the mix, and that they have the guys. They have the guys to make a really great top mix. You know, and keep, keep Orton and Cena in there, too. You know, I'm not saying take them out. But, you know, I mean, now the time to make some of these guys. You know, there there are a lot of eyeballs on the company. I mean, it's not like it's super hot, but it's there's more interest than there than there's been in a while i think you know more to talk about and you know especially considering that the rock's not even there you know so i um i really think that they should you know that they would get a lot of mileage out of elevating all those guys and hopefully that happens
0: uh my boss alan Cunahan suggested maybe brian could win the title if not at wrestlemania then the night after which would maybe be one of the craziest crowd reactions possible, and at least poetically it would be two years from where it all started for I know it's not quite WrestleMania, but it could be kind of nice. It would be a great moment.
1: i uh, I still feel a little bit sad that they couldn't just do it at WrestleMania to have, you know, kind of the... Uh... You know, part of the WrestleMania moments that they show every year forever and ever, and part of the WrestleMania rewind and all that. You know, this, it just it just takes on a different life when it's at WrestleMania. As a- someone called it, the uh,
0: WrestleMania memory machine. And I think we were talking about the uh, the Dolph Ziggler cash in last year, where I felt it it was great where it happened, but it definitely should have been on WrestleMania
1: in a vacuum. I I believe that Brian Brian winning at the arena the next night. Would probably be one of the greatest moments of all time. It just wouldn't really be as talked about forever if if it happened at WrestleMania, and mm-hmm. and it would make you know the WrestleMania, which a lot of people are paying a lot of money for, seem less important. Which I hate when they do that because you know you want mm-hmm. you want WrestleMania to be a big thing since they try to since they spend the whole year thinking about booking toward it. You might as well actually pay something off there.
0: I know we have. There are WrestleManias where you just kind of have to pretend something else happened. Like, I think we can both agree that Rock pinned Triple H for the championship at WrestleMania 16. Absolutely. And this might be one of those.
1: Yeah. Well, where uh, he was... at least we're braced for it this time. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. We've um,
0: talked about Daniel Bryan the whole time. I think the wasn't the question we started with on the original show, does wrestling suck? Yeah. So... Aspects of it do. (laughs) They're frustrating things. And yet even in the – I think things have gotten better since the fall, but that whole period is pretty demoralizing at times or just annoying. Some of my favorite stuff has happened, most of which with with Daniel Bryan. Um, Things like when all the undercard babyfaces came out to finally save him after eight straight shows of beatdowns. And uh obviously the two we talked about, the Seattle and the the Wyatt emancipation and that uh the angle at the end of maybe the, the low point for the last few months of T V in November when the Wyatt's and the Shield uh came out and brawled with the, the six baby faces, Brian and Punk and Pals, and then that paid off just now with, with some of the most memorable stuff I've seen with their
1: two matches they had in the last week. There is a lot of great stuff right now in wrestling. The suck comes in the in the in the packaging, I think. They just they just suck. don't know how suck. to make the most out of things anymore. I mean or they just or they choose not to. And uh, that's what that was what was so frustrating for me before. Anyway, that's my opinion.
0: Yeah. Um thinking of a good way to end it. Normally I just cut it off when someone says something funny. <laughs>
1: No, well just remember my main point, which is the main reason that Daniel Bryan is over is because people get to make a gesture when they cheer for him. Mm. So most so wrestlers take note. If there's a wrestler if there's a wrestler that can get the, all the fans to like snap their fingers at the same time, gold. Free advice. What about like if all the if all the whole crowd was hopping on one foot?
0: That's amount to Fandangoing, I think.
1: That's, oh, that's true. He had a gesture also. Now, Granted, the fans made up that gesture.
0: Yes, <laughs> they sure did.
1: But he had one.
0: I'll end with what I found as the, the last text messages I forgot to read was after the show when I said, we fought our hearts out, and he said, I know it, brother. You're doing God's work. And you know what, Matt? I think we did change something that night. I think they affected the course of history and sort of Got things, if not perfect, at least
1: better. Yes, I feel like in six months we will know what the Pittsburgh crowd has wrought. But until then, but until then, we'll keep being wrestling observers.
0: That's it! You got the vlog line. Thank you, Matt.
1: That you now. Whoa, oh, oh, so whoa, This old school game—it just might be the way to make you be my man. Yeah, but can't you see? ¡Suscríbete Before we start, just one yeah. question. Um, when you were doing your porno tag team names, did you think of these three? The Killer bee Cups, the Natural Big Asters, and Money Inseminated?